Welcome to the Rules of Investing. I'm Huntsley. Today I'm speaking with Donald Amstad. Amstad made a name for himself on Livewire's platform when he argued in 2019 that the unorthodox monetary policies seen in Western economies were helping to create a crisis that would touch all of our lives. That's economically, financially, politically, and socially. That interview has now more than 800,000 views on the Livewire YouTube channel. Since that interview was recorded, we have all experienced a global pandemic, and a monetary easing in the West, and multiple hot and cold conflicts on the geopolitical front. On today's episode, Amstad is joining us to revisit his views from that interview and to share with us his thoughts on where investors could be putting their cash to work today. If you are an Apple Podcast or Spotify user, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Or if you're a LiveWire subscriber, you can click the follow button at the bottom of the wire to get notified every time we post an episode. And if you're not a LiveWire subscriber yet, why don't you go to livewiremarkets.com. It's free to sign up and you'll get access to the leading investment minds from Australia and abroad. We had this this end of the, the, the Western monetary experiment, I guess, if you like, when the Fed and suddenly all the other Western central banks decide, oh my goodness, we've now created too much inflation in this economy and we've got to end it. Mm. More of its consequences do you think we're yet to see? Oh, it, it, it's... Um... Yeah, it's 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 this idea that, and it's a it's a correct idea in, in in my view that inflation is a tax on poor people, um, and the, the 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 collapse in their living standards, um, because their money just doesn't go so far in the shops anymore, and um, and, and and they just you know they they can't afford to 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 buy stuff. Um, I th- I think there's a there's a growing disparity between private sector workers and, and, and public sector workers in the UK. And, and I mean, the, the sort of good news, in, in a sense, for uh, the, the less well-off is, is that yeah, many in the, in the private sector are getting decent pay rises, not, you know, not, not keeping up with inflation as, as it was, um, but at, at least they're getting something. But the but the problem is is really is the you know vast swathes of, of public sector you know, wages are are just not going up and and the issue we have in the UK right now is in, in the national health service yeah you know, where where wages have been stagnant for a very long time um, and inflation's been ripping through and um, particular case in point uh, moment is is junior doctors um, who are yeah you know, who have had real living cuts um of, of yeah the order of sort of 30 35 percent over the last 10 years and obviously it's accelerated massively in the in the last couple of years when inflation took off i mean you know these are <clears throat> these are highly trained highly skilled highly qualified highly motivated incredibly hard-working you know in, in individuals uh, who are just being treated like dirt by the government and and of course many of them are are, are leaving. I mean they're they're leaving the NHS, you know, to take other jobs in in, in the UK, or they're leaving. Yeah, they're leaving to go to Australia, um, where where where, where salaries and uh, are higher and 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 you know, real living standards are are so much better. And the, yeah, the the crisis in the national health service here, just to sort of t- to continue on that thing, is we have almost eight million people 
waiting for some sort of medical procedure on the on the NHS. And so the problem in this country is is economic growth and the lack of it. But, you know, how, how are you going to get you know the economy growing again when there are eight million people waiting for some sort of medical procedure and and that list is just growing all the time yeah you're getting to a situation where this financial uh, chaos is leading to economic chaos um is leading to political chaos and it's it's very very close to leading to social chaos now yeah okay so that's that's the that's the fiscal side and that's the the social side and then and and i and i get it i get that at that at that level but in terms of this monetary experiment, and I guess okay. this idea that central banks they, they ran QE, structural QE, depending on who you ask, for the last forty years, and certainly since the global financial crisis. Yes, I'm curious. Yes. How much more do you think of the consequences of QE and the monetary experiment specifically? How much more of those consequences do you think we've yet to see? Yeah, that's a good. That, that, that that's that's a good question. Yeah, we we we. Obviously, fi- finally, it, it did lead to inflation. So, so we, we we've had the inflation, but I, yeah, the the consequence of of inflation now is this realization that there cannot be any more QE. So we've we've gone to QT, and obviously, you know, I mean, politicians have been used to, you know, making promises and writing blank checks, and yeah, the, I mean, the political. Sorry, the politicians are beginning to understand the fiscal you know, re- reality um, that that that, that Q, QE is over and has been incredibly damaging. I, I think the problem is is most politicians don't really understand you know, how how they provide how they finance the services the government's supposed to provide. I mean, and obviously there are only two ways you do it: is it is you you either borrow money or you or you tax. Uh, and of course, you know, politically, for any government to announce that it's going to put up taxes is, is just is just political suicide. It's toxic because politics politicians here refuse to have proper conversations with people, um, and so the you know the borrowing game is over. Um, so now it's tax increases, and of course, um, it's all about who pays more tax, and and this is where the political sh- shenanigans really are are getting going because of course no one wants to pay more tax and you know companies don't want to pay tax um and individuals don't want to pay tax yeah we 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 we're certainly seeing this government giving you know huge tax concessions to uh to its business friends and to wealth to wealthy people um you know we, yeah which was the sort of basis of uh, of 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 you know the fall of the Liz Trust government i mean she wanted to yeah, re- reduce the marginal tax rate from forty-five to to forty to give it to give a bung to her friends, and she did this on an unfunded basis. Um, so I, I think the the real and un- well, the real consequence that we haven't seen yet is a real, you know, the real fight about you know what is the role of government uh, and 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 how is the pie of government expenditure going to be divvied up, um, and of course. The other, the other problem that really is only beginning just to sort of filter through is ten-year gilt yields here have gone from you know one percent to four and a half percent. Yeah, the the amount that the government now has to spend on borrowing is 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 going through the roof. I mean, it's an extra thirty to forty billion pounds a year. Yeah, now is spent on on repay, yeah, on paying coupons on on bonds, and 
there was a complacency in the UK. And in one sense, the Treasury had done a very good job here by having very long duration of the UK government's liabilities. I mean, that 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 bit was very well managed, unlike uh, the criticism of Yellen recently, where, yeah, where obviously yeah, households extended in the US their debt, uh, corporations did, but the, yeah, the US government still has this incredibly sort of short duration uh, debt profile. But in the UK, the Achilles heel here is, or the problem is, is that so much about a quarter of our debt here um, is inflation linked. And it's linked to uh, the retail price index, the RPI, not the CPI. And the RPI is generally runs at sort of 1% to 2% above CPI. So with inflation taking off, yeah, the amount of money that the government now has to spend on, 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 on just servicing the existing debt has gone through the roof, uh, yeah, which is you know, further constraining the, uh, the, 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 the fiscal space. Um, QE has, ha- has ended. Um, you know, QT is 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 now here, and yeah, the, the government is still running you know, an enormous fiscal deficit here, thanks to oh, it's 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 partly it, it's getting worse because of Brexit. Um, yeah, we have this chronic current account situation, and 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 that and that just signals to me, whoa, 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 whoa. We, we, are, we, we are very close, I think, to a, to a sterling crisis here. Right. Okay. So if we're this close to a sterling crisis, if I can just bring this slightly broader than, than the UK, if I can. So if we are very close to a sterling crisis, how close are we, do you think? And, and I realize, again, you're talking about this from an observer standpoint, but how near are we, or far away are we, from a GFC 2.0? And the GFC 2.0 obviously being posed by not just the monetary experiment in the West, but these massive fiscal deficits we've been running. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I think the, the sort of GFC 2.0 um, nightmare is that we it, this this then becomes a, a crisis for fiat currencies, yeah. Hmm. Uh, because the situation in in the US is um, is 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 similar. Um, you know, U- Europe is you know probably has a more chronic growth issue, um, but yeah, you know, the 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 debt numbers there are not good. The the, the current account is probably slightly better, although of course yeah, you know, it's, it's very complicated by what's what's going on with energy. But I, but I think the real story here is yeah. You know, are, are we coming to some sort of massive crisis of confidence in fiat currencies? Um, so, uh, yeah, you you might have a currency like sterling weakening against a, a broad basket of currencies against which um, you know, sterling trades, uh, which which I think is is highly likely. Um, but then, of course, um, yeah, confidence in the dollar is uh, is is quite fragile <clears throat> as well because of the extraordinary uh, deficits that uh, that, are, that are being run there obviously yeah the, the dollar or the Swiss franc or the yen have yeah traditionally been sort of safe havens in in, in times of a crisis um I think yeah I, I, I think yeah you're going to need uh, other safe havens now and I think gold um, is 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 the is the standout potential beneficiary now I have to my hands up here and, and and say i am positioned for that <laughs> in, my, in my own 
in my own investment. So, um, yeah, to, to some extent, yeah, I, I am talking my own book uh, in this case. Sure. Uh, crypto may, may well be uh, another beneficiary. And in this case, I, I put my hands up. I do not invest in crypto. I, I don't have any positions in, in, sure. in, in, in Bitcoin, but I, but I can understand the rationale for that, even though it, I personally don't, don't believe it. Um, but I think we might be coming towards some sort of yeah, moment of truth for, for fiat money. Yeah, that, right. uh, that, that really only trades on on trust and confidence, and it seems to me that trust and confidence are in rather short supply at the moment. Yeah, and 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 yeah, and and not just for the US dollar and for the sterling. When you were talking about sterling weakening, can I just clarify against other currencies? Are you talking about developed market currencies, or is this? And I guess what I what I what I'd follow up with that is then is that does that lead to this de-dollarization debate that sometimes comes up uh, in in terms of you know there's, there's sometimes this conversation in markets that props up every now and again about well the dollar is going to get deposed and you know what becomes the new world mm. currency and some people say well it might be the Chinese yuan it might be something else um are, are we tiptoeing towards that then is that what you're saying or not not, not necessarily well i th- i i I, th- I think that's one possible outcome and um i mean it's it's it, it's been clear to me for some time uh well since the the, the um us and western response to gfc 2008 mm-hmm. um that Asia uh, and and the economic South, as 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 it were. I, I mean, that would include Russia. It would include Africa. It would include yeah, many states in the, in the Middle East, yeah, Central and, and Latin America, are are very keen to de-dollarize. And I, and I think the ball is very much in their court. Uh, it's up to them to come up with a new um, you know trading system that uh, that that uh, allows people to 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 bypass the dollar um and this yeah which leads to this huge american influence in their in their lives the the dollar is is king um it's it's still the most important currency so that's why i say the ball really is in you know china's court and 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 the global south's court now to to come up with yeah another trading system um, and obviously, one idea that I, I know is being thrown around is, is gold-backed currencies, yeah. Um, and yeah, that would seem to make um, a huge amount of sense to me if I were a politician um, in 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 the, in the in the global in the global south. And I and I think that moment is coming nearer. I have no idea what is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back, or or timing, or or, or when. But everything that's happening now seems to be pointing in that direction. Got it. So I had a question in here about, you know, with with 10-year rates being at, 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 you know, nearly 5%, whether it's time to buy risk-free debt. But you're talking a lot about gold. So let me rephrase this next question then. Why would you rather own gold and not what used to be these risk-free treasuries, if you like, these, you know, supposedly the safest investments in the world, US bonds? Is it entirely down to confidence or is there something just as structural in the market well i mean obviously yeah you you want to buy something that uh, that, that go that goes up in value uh and 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 you know and, mo- and most people need some sort of income and uh, and of course 
you know, the, the, the problem with, with gold is that it doesn't produce any income. And the problem used to be with, with, with you know, risk-free sovereign bonds, they didn't produce any income either. And obviously we had, we had a, a, a stage a couple of years ago where, you know, $17, $18 trillion worth of debt um, had had a negative yield, i.e., you paid governments to look after your money for you. Um, the good the good news, as as you uh, your question in, in implies, is that um, at least uh, government bonds now have a a, a decent yield, and uh, you know U.S. Treasuries yielding, let's call it five for argument's sake, mm-hmm. yielding five is much better than than U.S. Treasuries yielding half a percent or one percent or, or or whatever it was so there there is a lot there is a lot more yield and you know I, I think a lot of people are and particularly people with sort of shorter memories i mean a lot of you know practitioners in the financial markets now to a lot of people who are i would say 45 and and, and under a 475 five percent yield on 10-year treasuries is high Mm-hmm. By their historical standards, because they've 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 lived so much of their financial lives when uh, when tenure treasuries were were one or two. For people who got a little bit more grey hair, like like my, my myself, uh, I mean, I started in markets in eighty three, when tenure treasuries were about, I think about thirteen fourteen percent. So you know, five to me still seems um incredibly low i mean i still remember yeah you know, when i started you know 10-year jgbs were yielding you know seven and a half eight percent yeah compared to the um you know the barely 88 basis points or whatever it is that they yield now so there there is i think this this very interesting debate about whether whether you should take duration risk here now or not and it really does boil, boils down to your view on inflation yeah if you have confidence in central banks uh, that, they, that they will get inflation under control um, and bring it back down to their, their target rates of two, then then a you know, a, a a five year or a ten year treasury that's that's yielding five is is probably a a, a, a decent bet. The the risk uh, that you, that you're taking though, of course, is that central banks are are not able to get inflation back under control and that we have another surge. And I think the arguments to suggest that inflation may not come down are, are there are sort of two threads to it. Um, one is is commodity prices and, and particularly oil. If they surge again, then that's going to send another inflationary wave through the um, through the economy. Um, and then the second uh, point is 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 fiscal policy. Uh, I mean, central banks can do all they want, but in most developed countries there seems to be a lack of conversation between the central bank um, and and the treasury about obviously central banks control monetary policy they can control the level of interest rates what they don't control is the level of spending from governments and i think the problem is uh, and this would be the case for gold um, is that the political class is so weak and so uneducated and so Unable to to uh, and uh, uneducated in 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 economics and finance the finances of markets, and so are, are they politically able to get the fiscal situation back under control? The reason to doubt that is that trying to get fiscal situations back under control means cutting spending, and or raising taxes, and I don't see political leadership in the West that is 
even capable of beginning to have those sorts of discussions with you and me yeah yeah the the you know joe, joe taxpayer uh, and take serious steps to, to to fiscal reform because it's in in a, in a democratic system it's just electoral suicide and, and what i think we the, the only way that these politicians will come to their senses is if there is a crisis and i think we need yeah i mean, I mean it's very very sad to say but i think we need a crisis to to get the political reform that we need so that we get the sovereign finances back onto um some sort of more stable path uh, and that that involves yeah as i say cutting spending raising taxes so my answer to you, my long-winded answer to your question is if you have faith in the political system and that fiscal policy which is currently out of control will come back under control then then 10 year treasuries are um are are a good bet here at uh, four and three quarters five and you also believe that central banks are going to get inflation back down again um and that commodity prices are going to fall from here and and not spike if you if you have problems with any of of, of those then i think uh gold you know can do very well and so i guess yeah the advice to yeah the sensible advice to anyone is god only knows what's going to happen in 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 the future i think i think uh yeah i i think many people in many western countries are are are, are fed up with the political class who who mm-hmm. just have not delivered i mean they just they just lurch from crisis to crisis so uh i you know personally i i think the chances that we get fiscal under control without a very sharp message from the markets and this is where we almost we almost need the bond vigilantes to come back and it it seemed up until uh, a couple of days ago that you know the bond vigilantes were back you know when when yields rise that does send yeah you know, that does, yeah it's a message that some of the more financially literate politicians will begin to understand but uh, in my in my interview with you back in uh with 20, with 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 livewire back in 2019 mm. um I, I was telling the story of uh, yeah i i i met a a, a uk member of of of, of parliament mm. it's been about 10 years ago now uh who was on a a, a a tour to asia sponsored by my my previous employer and we were chatting about very much as as, as we're chatting now Mm. Uh, and I mentioned the gilt market, and he said, and he asked me what the gilt market was, and he didn't, he did, he didn't understand gilt. Wow, <laughs> he didn't, he didn't know what a bond was. <laughs> I, I, I really need to ask this for the sake of clarity. This wasn't the Chancellor of the Exchequer, was it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was not the Chancellor of the Exchequer. Because I'm Thank terrified God. if you're talking about Gordon Brown or something, he doesn't know the gilt no, market. No, no, oh, no. <laughs> it was uh, it was it was it was a back it was a backbench MP. Oh. I'm not going to name person, and I'm not going to name even the party. Um, but I was just shocked yeah. by that that person's financial illiteracy. He was financially illiterate. I mean, he just said, "Well, we yeah, we tax and we spend." I mean, that that was that was the view of the world. So we've talked about gold, even alternatives. We were talking very briefly there about crypto. Talked about bonds. Let's finish this interview, if I can, with the most 
popular asset class, if you like, and that's equities. So I was re-watching the interview from 2019. And I, and I love what you said, that you know emerging market equities may pose some sort of ironic safe haven. If you've got the West going down this path, this 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 mm. you know treacherous path and this you know that they have no way of getting out of emerging markets might actually end up being some sort of ironic safe haven but mm. emerging market equities of course have their cycles and when it's a savage sell-off it's a savage sell-off so mm. if you have equities don what do you want mm. to do with equities that's a that's that's a great question and uh uh, you know, I, I think I'm not the only one who has been surprised by yeah the the resilience of equities. I would say um, in in light of this dramatic sell off in, uh, in 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 the in the bond market, uh, and you know why haven't they been hit harder? And, and of course, I think yeah the the answer is is beginning to to come out that that many equities have actually been been hit very very hard. But obviously, equity indices. Uh, have uh, particularly in the United States have held up very well because of the magnificent the magnificent seven stocks, yeah, the you know the, the these mega companies uh, shares that have done um, yeah fantastically well, fantastically well. And I mean, obviously they've done very well for their own shareholders, but I mean they've also done incredibly well for passive investors because they've they've kept many indices. In, well, this year, for example, in in, in positive territory, <laughs> but obviously an, a, an index that's being uh, held up by, well, an index of five hundred companies that's being held up by just seven companies um, is, is is probably not not particularly healthy. <laughs> but um, there are there are so many facets to the answer to to that question. I mean, obviously, some people would look at it from a term, from the point of view of. Uh, yeah, the equity risk premium, and I and I read some people as, as saying that there, you know, there currently is no equity risk premium. It's 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 zero, which would you know, suggest that equities are terrible value. Um, yeah, at the, at this uh, stage in the cycle, I think other people would, would would point out that of course, you know, the the, the beauty about equity earnings is that they are nominal. They are they are they are nominal, not real. And of course, you know, if if you're a bond investor. You know, you 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 care about the real rate of re- return on 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 bonds, and um, yeah, I mean, at least in inflation-linked bonds, um, yeah, US are US linkers are now yeah two and a half positive real, uh, which is a huge improvement from yeah where we were in negative territory. Even even UK gilts now have a you know positive one real yield, but it, but in, in in equities you don't care about real numbers; you care about nominal numbers because earnings are nominal. And uh, yeah, there, there is a sense in which you know, with it, with it, with inflation abounding, you know, companies um, uh, are, are able to put up prices. And certainly, uh, I think there's a lot of work being done in in the UK. I'm, I'm sure elsewhere that a lot of companies have actually used this re-emergence of inflation for the first time in in in, in decades mm-hmm. um, as an excuse. To, to put up prices um, and, and actually widen margins. I mean, you know, there, there are companies with, with pricing power. So, hands up, yeah, equities is probably the asset class I'm least qualified to, to talk about. Of course. Um, uh, and, and I have a bias given the investment style of my uh, previous employer. But, uh, yeah, I think if you're in, in equities in, in times like this, then yeah, the good old fashioned sticking to quality 
you know, as, as a sort of you know, Buffett-style approach is absolutely the safest way uh, to go. And of course, a lot of people have been investing in growth over the last 15 years and done incredibly well. And you know, and, and growth has has smashed value as an investing style. And of course, growth has been supported by incredibly low discount rates for growth by by as measured by the 10-year treasury yield so i i yeah i i guess with 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 treasury yields you know now at just under under five and 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 much higher everywhere else around the world growth looks like it's going to to struggle again and and probably this is the time to switch back into into value um, and and value would would probably be um, safer than uh, than growth, and I think just from, just from a sort of you think about if you add in what's happening geopolitically um, ar- around the world, I mean, you know, what on earth do I know? But I mean, I I read snippets of the uh, the interviews that uh, Jamie Dimon of J.P. Morgan and uh, and Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, uh, were giving. Uh, I mean, they were comparing 2023 to 1938. Hopefully they are wrong, but I mean it's 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 a pretty horrendous implication to to to, to what they're saying. So um, yeah, I, I I think sticking to quality and sticking to value, yeah, you know, if if you are in in equities, is probably the way to go. Yeah, does doesn't seem like we're going to be in a position where we're going to get a lot of growth. Yeah, you know, and 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 particularly yeah, you know, sort of good global growth with this very tense standoff and of course you know i mean you're, you're sitting in australia um which obviously is is is, is part of asia pacific and yeah if i were in your, your shoes obviously i'd be looking very carefully and closely as i'm sure you are to to what's going on on in uh china taiwan and then you've also got the north korea south korea situation as well and and i think north korea south korea is is linked to to china taiwan which is obviously not a part of the world that is sensitive because of commodities but it's it's uh, as in oil but it's incredibly sensitive because of computer chips and of course we're talking about you know, TSMC uh, and, uh, and and Samsung electronics um, so that has the potential to become quite hot quite quickly uh, as well so yeah growth uh, you have to be uh, a massive optimist I think to to go for growth now it's not to say and i'm sure every growth manager will tell you that there are some you know some wonderful companies doing some wonderful things with 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 the advent of ai and i'm and i'm sure that's right uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah there are some yeah there are some wonderful advances uh, going on but uh yes i i i would say quality number one value number two uh, probably grow three would be my batting order for for equities at the moment. Donald, thank you very much for your time and for the great conversation. And if you enjoyed the program, please subscribe to livewiremarkets.com. Thank you for joining us.